Welcome to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. This week's message is Noise, Part 5, Scripture. Recorded Sunday, March 26, 2023. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Now here's Brendan with today's message. We're talking about what it would look like in our lives if we tuned down all the noise around us and tuned into the voice of God. And as we heard, uh, today we're going to talk about the clearest, most surest way we can hear God's voice in our lives, which is in this book we call the Bible. Now, my guess is that most of us who are here today understand that reading the Bible is important. I'm guessing that most of you understand that it's something that we're supposed to do. Now, we may not be doing it, but I suspect that most of us agree that there's something about the Bible that we're supposed to engage with it. And that intuition isn't wrong. It's actually backed up by data. The Center for Bible Engagement performed a survey a few years ago of over 100,000 people across the entire world. And what they discovered was that Bible engagement was the greatest predictor of a person's spiritual growth. You can find this survey online, but here are just a few of the stats that they compiled. They found that people who regularly engage with Scripture are 62% less likely to drink excessively, 59% less likely to view pornography, 40% less likely to feel bitter, and not only that, but they were 231% more likely to disciple others, 228% more likely to share their faith, and 218% more likely to give financially to causes other than their church. And that doesn't count how many people actually gave to their church. Bible engagement clearly makes a difference in people's lives. The numbers bear this out. But what kind of Bible engagement are we talking about? Are we talking about the type of engagement where we just take our Bible, open it up, put our finger on a page, and read whatever random advice we have for the day? Is that what we're talking about? Are we talking about a brownie points type of engagement where if I just put in my five minutes or my ten minutes every day, I'll suddenly get on God's good side and my life will just have to go better? Is that the type of engagement that makes a difference in my life? And what type of Bible engagement are we talking about? Well, today we're going to dive into that story that Parker just read for us. And this is a story we've been looking at for the last several weeks. In that story, we can see three ways that Jesus engaged with Scripture. And when we consider how Jesus engaged with Scripture, we'll find that Scripture did far more than just positively affect his life. Scripture, in a sense, defined his life. Scripture fundamentally shaped who Jesus was, how he lived, and enabled him to be and become everything God wanted him to be. And I believe the same can be true for us too. When we engage with Scripture the way Jesus engaged with Scripture, we can become everything we're meant to be. So how did Jesus engage with Scripture? If you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and open it up. If your phone is your Bible, you can go ahead and turn it on. I know that sounds Funny, but that's basically how most of us read the Bible, on our devices. And so you can go ahead and turn on your Bibles, Google Matthew 4, 1 through 11. And just a little context for you while you search for it. In Matthew, Jesus has been led by the Spirit into the wilderness where he is tempted by the devil. Here's a picture of the general area where Jesus is hanging out. This is a dry place, a desolate place. We think following the Spirit of God in America is tough. Just imagine being Jesus. I mean, this was truly a place of temptation. 
a place where Jesus was exposed to all of the devil's attacks. And the first thing I want you to notice here is how Jesus responds to the devil's attacks. Three times in this passage, Jesus is tempted by the devil. First, the devil says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Second, he says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. And then third, he says, all this I will give you. That is all the kingdoms of this world. If you bow down and worship me. Three temptations from the devil. And then notice this. Three times Jesus responds with scripture. First, he says in verse four, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. That's a quote of Deuteronomy 6, 16. Uh, that's the second one. First one, uh, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's a quote of Deuteronomy 8, 3. And then third, in verse 10, he says, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. That's Deuteronomy 6, 13. So three temptations, three responses, and all of them come from Scripture. Now, why does that matter? It matters because it shows us that when Jesus heard another voice, when the tempter came and told him what he should think, how he should live, what he should do with his life, Jesus responded with Scripture. He ran that voice through the filter of Scripture. He didn't just take what the devil said and run with it. He didn't succumb to the temptations, and these were real temptations. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I haven't eaten for a few hours, let alone 40 days, watch out. (laughs) There's a technical term for this condition, and it's called being hangry. And I don't know if you suffer from it, but I suffer from it. Here Jesus was at his weakest point, hungry, thirsty, exposed to the elements. And what did he do? He responded with Scripture. Why does this matter for us? Well, there's a lot of noise in our world, too. Lots of lying voices telling us what we should think, what we should do, how we should live. And I don't mean to make it sound like all voices are evil. All truth is God's truth, and we can accept the truth is true no matter where it comes from. Just because a Hawkeye might be up here preaching some Sunday doesn't mean I might not have something worth saying. Now, we can listen to people who think a little differently than us, and we might discover that we actually have something to learn. But the question is, in all of this, when you hear lies, when you face temptations, when you're drawn to that website you know you shouldn't visit, when you're faced with a questionable business decision, when you're in a group that's smearing a person with their words and it's your turn to talk, what do you do? Do you give in to the temptation? Do you buy into the lies? Or do you respond in a way that's informed by Scripture? Jesus responded with Scripture, and if we want to engage with Scripture like him, that's what we need to do, to do as well. And we need to get the Bible into our souls, and we need to read it. And not just read it, we need to read it in a way that it begins to shape our thinking. We need to meditate on it, and maybe even memorize it, so that we can do what Jesus does here and put a stop to the devil's attacks. And if you aren't actively reading scripture, here's my invitation for you. Get started. Start today. Start tomorrow. If you don't know where to start, download the Bible app and and just pick out a reading plan. You know, do a Bible in a year plan. If you read three and a half chapters a day, 
throughout the course of the year, you'll end the Old Testament right at Christmas time, the perfect time to end the Old Testament, and then read the New Testament from there till Easter. It's a great way to do the Bible, Easter to Easter. If that's too much for you, then read the New Testament over the course of the next year. This lays itself out perfectly as well. There are 260 chapters in the New Testament. If you read five chapters a week, every weekday, 52 weeks a year, you'll end exactly one year from now. It's a doable plan. And I'm confident that if you do this, it'll have, uh, be a banner year in your life. But at the end of the day, I don't really care what plan you choose. What matters is that we're reading Scripture so we know how to respond with Scripture. Because that's what Jesus did here. Now we could stop there. We could call it a wrap. Get out of here earlier and, and go home and everyone would be happy. But I want you to see that there's actually more going on in this passage. See, Jesus didn't just respond with Scripture. Jesus also rightly interpreted Scripture. What do I mean by that? Well, if you look again at verses 5 and 6, you'll see that Jesus isn't the only one quoting the Bible. It says this, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Do you see that? Jesus isn't the only one quoting Scripture here. The devil is quoting Scripture. This is a direct quote of Psalm 91, verses 11 and 12. The devil knows the Bible. He's no dummy. He knows it as well as any of us. And this is why it's not enough for us simply to respond with Scripture. We also have to rightly interpret scripture. We can't just know what it says. We also have to discover what it means. So it can be really easy for us to do what the devil does here, to laser in on a verse, to strip it of its context, flatten it out, and use its apparent meaning for our own selfish end. I think of a verse like Genesis 2.18. Genesis 2.18 says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, here's a verse that's been used by men far too often throughout history to devalue women as though women are second-class citizens who are created to serve men. And if you're a woman in the room and you've heard that or if you've experienced that, I want to say I'm sorry. God loves you. God values you. God created you for so much more than that. And here's the deal. If you look at how that word helper is used everywhere else in the Bible, everywhere else, there is only one other person who is also called a helper in the Bible. Any guesses on who that is? God. God is the only other being who is ever called a helper. And not only that, but when that word helper is used throughout Scripture, it's used in the context of military deliverance where God reaches down to help people who can't get by on their own. The image here isn't of someone who helps from the bottom up. It's someone who helps from the top down with the power to make a difference. Are you following me? Here's my point. If anyone is in a position of power in this relationship, according to Genesis 2.18, it ain't the dude. Now, to be clear, I don't think this verse is saying that women are superior to men either. That's not the point. The point is that Being a helper doesn't mean someone is inferior or less than someone else, because if it does, we've got some serious rethinking to do about God. 
and I don't want to take it up with him. Now, this is just one example of a verse people have lasered in on, taken out of context, and applied in a selfish way to the detriment of others. When we flatten out Scripture and disregard the fundamental rules of communication, we haven't gone beyond what the devil does. It's not enough just to respond with Scripture. We also have to rightly interpret it. This means paying attention to things like genre. And what kind of document are we reading? This means paying attention to things like historical context. What was going on in the world when the Bible was written? This means paying attention to things like the cultural context and the geographical context and the literary context and the linguistic context. And we believe that the Bible is the word of God, but that doesn't mean it doesn't follow the rules of speech. That just means it's a voice worth listening to. And because of that, we'd be wise to be even more discerning in how we engage with it. And so if you want to learn how to be a better interpreter of Scripture. And we're going to let you know here in a few minutes about a few ways here at our church that you can grow in this practice. But again, if we want to engage with Scripture in the way of Jesus, we can't just respond with Scripture. We need to learn to rightly interpret it. Now, there's one last observation I want to make about how Jesus responded with Scripture, and it requires us zooming out and looking at this story from the vantage point of the whole book of Matthew. What I want you to see is that when we look at Matthew from 30,000 feet, we can discover that Jesus relived Scripture. What do I mean by that? Well, if we walk section by section through the book of Matthew, we can see that the story of Jesus in Matthew parallels the story of the Hebrew Scriptures. Start by looking at the opening words of Matthew. In the NIV, Matthew 1.1 says this, This is the genealogy of Jesus. Now, that translation is fine, but it masks the fact that the first two words in Greek are biblos geneseos, which literally means the book of Genesis. You can translate this as the book of the Genesis of Jesus. And what is the very first book in the Bible, anybody? The the book of Genesis. Notice this. The story of Jesus begins just like the Bible with the book of Genesis. Of Genesis. Go on from there. Matthew next tells a story about a dreamer named Joseph, Jesus' earthly dad. You remember this? Joseph has a dream, Mary's going to be with child, so on and so forth. Well, guess what story appears later in the book of Genesis? A story about a dreamer named Joseph, the guy with the multicolored coat, right? Go on from there. Matthew then goes on to tell how Jesus escapes a mass killing of infant boys. You remember what happens Next in Exodus, the next book of the Bible, Israel is in Egypt where there's a mass killing of infant boys. Go on from there. Exodus describes how Israel passed through the waters of the sea. Matthew describes how Jesus passed through the waters in his baptism. Exodus describes how Israel was led into the wilderness for 40 years. Matthew describes how Jesus was led into the wilderness for 40 days. Exodus describes how God gave the law at a mountain. Matthew describes how Jesus taught about the law at a mountain, the Sermon on the Mount. You can track these parallels all the way to the end of the book of Matthew where Jesus gives the Great Commission. Here's what he says in the closing verses of Matthew. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very 
end of the H. Well, the Hebrew Bible, the, the Bible that Jesus used, ends with the book of Second Chronicles. Our Bibles, our Old Testaments, and our English Bibles end with Malachi. His ended with Second Chronicles. And in the closing verses of Second Chronicles, another king, King Cyrus, says this. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. Sound familiar? And he has appointed me to build a temple for him at Jerusalem and Judah. Any of his people among you may go up. And may the Lord, their God, be with them. Notice this. The closing verses of Matthew and of the Hebrew Bible have these parallels. Authority is given to a royal figure. People are commanded to go. And a promise is made that God would be with them. Now, this is a lot, but do you see this? Are you following me? I know I've thrown a lot at you, so let me state this as simply as I can. The story of Jesus in Matthew parallels the story of the Hebrew Bible with the main difference being that Jesus gets right what Israel got wrong. Where they gave in to temptation in the wilderness, Jesus overcame the temptation. And what's the point? It's that Jesus relived Scripture. He embodied Scripture. And this begins to get at what I think he means in Matthew 5, 17 when he says, Do not think I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them. I have come to fulfill them. Jesus is like a walking, talking Bible who shows what it looks like to be everything God wanted Israel and really all of humanity to be. This has massive implications for how we think about the gospel, about faith, about our purpose in life, about Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. But here's what I want you to take away for today. Jesus relived Scripture. And so if we want to be like him, if we want to become everything we're meant to be in our lives, then that's our call as well. It's not enough just to read Scripture It's not enough just to respond to it or rightly interpret it. At the end of the day, if Scripture is supposed to have the effect it's supposed to have in our lives, then we have to live it out. One of my favorite writers and speakers in the world, Bob Goff, wrote this book called Love Does. And in this book, he talks about how his Bible study group became a Bible-doing group. Here's what he writes. A Bible study sounds like a wholesome thing to go to, and honestly, it is. You know, they can come in as many flavors as there are people leading them. At the ones I went to, I learned a bunch of facts and information about Jesus. We might be studying how a guy named Lazarus was raised from the dead by Jesus. The leader would bring up a reference book saying something like, the word dead in the Greek means, and then he'd say in the Hebrew, the word means. And just side note, this sounds like my type of Bible study leader, but not Bob's. Bob goes on to say, this guy's intentions were totally pure, so I don't mean to trash him or anything. Okay, Bob. Plus, most of the things we studied were true and all, but honestly, it just made me feel like a stalker, like a creepy guy memorizing facts and information about somebody I barely knew. So I started getting together with the same group of guys each week, and instead of calling it a Bible study, we began to call it a Bible doing. We've been at it for 15 years, and I found that there's a big difference between the two. At our Bible doing, we read what God has to say and then focus all of our attention on what we are going to do about it. Just agreeing isn't enough. I can't think of a single time where Jesus asked his friends just to agree with him. 
And Bob's right. While I do think that Hebrew, Greek, context, all the things I've spent most of my life studying are worth their work. Otherwise, I've, I've spent a lot of money on loans that I got. It doesn't matter. I think it matters. But at the end of the day, if we aren't doing the things Jesus asks, if we aren't loving people in radical ways, if we aren't serving those who are underprivileged in our society, if we aren't being good stewards of the good world that God has created for us, then we haven't really engaged with Scripture in the way of Jesus. At the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. We can read the Bible all we want. We can study it, interpret it, understand it, with the best of them. But at the end of the day, if we aren't living out the Bible, if we aren't taking what it says and putting it into practice in our lives, then we're living a life that's destined for destruction. That's not the life I want to live. That's not the church I want to be a part of. And so church, yes, let's be known for how we respond with Scripture and for how we rightly interpret Scripture. But above all else, may we be known as a people who are serious about, as serious about doing the word as we are studying the word for his glory, his kingdom, and his purposes in our lives. Let's pray. God, as we come to the communion table, I understand that what we are about to do, experience, not something we talk about, but something we, we experience, now, what this commemorates wasn't academic for you. What we're about to commemorate wasn't theoretical for you. The death you died, the crucifixion you endured, the life you lived for us was something you were faithful, obedient to God to do. God, as we take these elements, may we be reminded again that we live in a faith that's about practice, that we live in a faith that's not about knowledge, but about a life that's lived. And so God, may you be glorified in our lives. May we represent who you are to the world around us as we testify through the taking of these elements. Let's pray in your name. Amen. So today we've talked a lot about engaging with scripture in the way of Jesus. And now I want to share with you just four next steps you can take here at our church that can help you grow on this journey. The first opportunity I want to let you know about is something called LBS, Life Bible Study. If you're not familiar with LBS, LBS is a study where people get together on a weekly basis to study a book of the Bible. They pick out a book, they walk through it verse by verse, section by section, learning what it means, and then talking about what it looks like to, be, to make this real in their lives, thus Life Bible Study. 
And if you just need a group of people to come around you and walk with you through the Bible, then LBS is the place for you. And here's some great news. Starting tomorrow, LBS is beginning a brand new book of the Bible. They're going to be entering into the book of Esther, which they're, they're going to study for three weeks before they take a break for the summer. And so if you've ever just wanted to give this a try and see if LBS is for you, this is a great chance just to jump in, give it a shot, and see if it works for you. And so if you want to learn more about LBS, you can sign up at the Hub or in the Events tab in the app. I know they'd love to have you as part of their community. Another opportunity coming up is our summer women's study. Beginning June 5th, the women of, their, of our church are invited to come together, together weekly for a study on prayer led by some of the best female preachers out there. I'm talking about people like Kelly McClelland, Kelly Minter, Jen Wilk, and then others that I know will inspire you. This is a great way to learn, to grow, to be challenged, and to get to know other women in our church. And if you want to learn more, if you want to get signed up for that, you can actually go out to the plaza. There's a table set up there where I know some women would love to talk to you a little bit more about what this summer women's study is like. Third, and now this is a brand new opportunity at our church. We recently entered into a partnership with Hope International University to begin offering college and seminary courses in Bible, theology, and ministry starting this fall here at our Grand Island campus. These classes will be offered online and on-site for credit and for audit at the bachelor's and master's levels and all for a super affordable rate, as in less than our local community college. This is part of a bigger initiative we're working on to develop future church leaders here in central Nebraska, and you're going to hear more about that down the road. But for now, what matters is that these classes are available to anyone who's interested in studying the Bible in an academic setting. I'm talking about classes like Bible study methods and tools, where you'll learn practices for interpreting Scripture and how to use the latest in computer software to navigate the Scriptures. I'm talking about classes like history and literature of the early Christians, history and literature of the ancient Israelites, Bible lands and lifeways, theological survey, classes like these and more that will help you develop the tools you need for interpreting Scripture. Again, these are academic classes. They aren't for everyone. But if you or someone you know would be interested in getting a taste of what Bible college or seminary is like here at our Grand Island campus, I'd love to talk to you. You can sign up at the events tab in the app or at the hub. And then last, and I can't believe I get to announce this. I've been dreaming about this for a long time. Next year, February 26 to March 6, 2024, our church is going to host a group tour to Israel. This is a 10-day tour where we'll, where we'll go to the biblical sites and see the places where Jesus went, where all these things took place, where see where Jesus walked, we'll hear the sounds he heard, touch the things he felt. You know, 10 years ago, I spent a, a summer in Israel doing archaeology and touring, and I can't overemphasize the impact that experience had on my life. You know, for one, this is a sacred experience where you get to stand in places where you know Jesus stood right there that he called disciples right there, that he changed lives right there, that he performed miracles right there. There's something profoundly spiritual about being right there. It's something that I wish every Jesus follower could experience. And not only that, but it's the fastest way I know to help someone become a better reader of the Bible. I mean, literally, you get to go to the places where these biblical stories happen and read the stories right there. We'll go to the Jordan River and see where Jesus was baptized. Go to the wilderness and see where Jesus was tempted. Go to the Temple Mount and see where Satan told Jesus to throw himself down. All these places that we read about in Scripture, you'll get to go see, and it'll change the way you read the Bible forever. If that kind of experience interests you, again, I'd love to talk to you. You can sign up for more information in the app 
or at the Hub, we'd love to have you join us on this tour. Now, as the band comes out for one last song, these are all great opportunities to help you grow as a student of the Word. But as I said before, if we aren't taking what we're learning and living it out, then we can do all these things and they'll all be in vain. Like a house built on the sand is a church that's built simply on statements. At Third City, our vision is love unlimited. You hear it every week. Church, let's now go out into our communities and live like we mean it. God bless. Thanks for listening to the Third City Christian Church Podcast. Please join us for one of our worship services at 9, 10, 15, or 11.30 a.m. in Grand Island and at 10, 15 a.m. in Broken Bow on Facebook Live and at thirdcityc.online.church each Sunday. For more information about Third City Christian Church, send email to podcast at thirdcityc.org. Call us at 308-384-5038 or visit us online at thirdcityc.org.